Hello. Um, good to be here. Uh, it is an honor and a privilege to be here with you today. Um, I'm glad that apparently this is legal. I don't have to wear a mask because <laughs> I'm six feet apart. Um, uh, appreciate uh, having me here today and especially during this time when uh, it's a very joyful time for Richard and Jen. Uh, it is a privilege for me to come here and, um, um, and uh, share with you uh, the Word of God. Um, I know this is practice of the church, so I would like to start reading uh, the main passage today. I'll pray, and then I'll get into my introduction <clears throat> and uh, the rest of the sermon. Um, we'll be reading today from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Philippians chapter 2. Verses 1 through 8. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Verse 3. Do not do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be you something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Let me pray for us as we begin the sermon. Heavenly Father, God of, uh, who has created all of us, we thank you and uh, we praise you for today. We thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. Um, God, we thank you for your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, through whom we have the hope of eternal life. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit for guiding and leading us uh, today in this time in 2022 here in the Bay Area. Uh, God, we thank you for your scripture, uh, the power of your words that can take us away from eternal damnation to eternal life. And God, so we are just so grateful for your word that, um, uh, yeah, that speaks to us and changes us and convicts us. So God, today, I pray that through um, uh, me or through my uh, broken, fallen words that you would um, inspire and you would convict uh, through your Holy Spirit each one of us, that we will be your true witnesses in the places that you are asked us to be. We thank you, we praise you, pray and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, as uh, Pastor Harry just mentioned, uh, my name is uh, Finney Abraham, and uh, I uh, presently uh, live in San Jose. Uh, I've been there since uh, 2018, um, and I got to know Richard uh, through uh, uh, my wife and Jen, our friends uh, from uh, uh, in L.A., and when I was dating, uh, Susan asked me to come for a wedding. You know, so when you're dating and when you get called for a wedding, 
you go for it. And that's when I met Richard for the wedding. Um, I flew from Berkeley just for the wedding and came back. I really loved Susan. And uh, uh, so uh, that's when I met them. And um, it was, it's been, been a privilege to see the way God has tracked their lives and their ministry and their calling to Hayward. And um, we've been praying for this church uh, since its inception. Uh, I remember praying for, uh, you know, Pastor Harry and uh, all the things that uh, God has been doing here. Uh, we've been part of their lives, and, um, and especially now uh, with their child. Um, we're extremely thankful and grateful for God, and, and to be here uh, to support him uh, today uh, is a privilege. Uh, my role at my church is I am the local compassion pastor. It just means that I do everything outside the walls of our church. I am a pastor to uh, non-Christian people in Santa Clara County. I work with local government and nonprofits and others, um, and I get an opportunity to pastor with them, right? I, I get an opportunity to pray for them, uh, care for their families and for the situations that they go through. And one of the things I've noticed, especially in this last two years of doing ministry in the midst of uh, this complexity of, of uh, a pandemic when things goes up and down and changes all the time. What I've seen is um, the real impact of living the gospel in a community and how it changes individuals and how that changes communities in and around, not just here, around the world. Uh, and that's the only uh, way in which, um, you know, we can see our communities changed, uh, not just by coming to church and hearing a sermon and, 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 and understanding the depths of what the scripture is, but being able to live it out, uh, at least in the last two years I've seen, has been the best apologetic of the gospel in our community. And, um, and that is why in my sermon today I've titled it um, you know, uh, what does it mean for us to serve the other in our community? And by the other, I mean the ones who do not uh, uh, probably act like us, uh, believe like us, uh, talk like us, uh, the ones who may be um, our enemies. Uh, why should we serve them? And um, more importantly, how should we serve them uh, in a time where our communities are so divided and polarized. And what does the gospel, how the gospel changes these communities and these individuals uh, for his glory um, in, in our midst? And that is what I would like to share with you because that, is, that has been in my heart and uh, in real time that I got to experience in this last two years of doing ministry as well. Uh, so let me, let me start by sharing a, a story that happened in 2021 right after uh, the big uh, shutdown was over, schools were starting to open, and um, our church was, is very connected to a few of the uh, schools in Moreland School District, which is very close to where our church is. We've been serving these schools for the last uh, uh, over 10 years, uh, and serving the teachers and the staff and others. And um, one of the things, I don't know if you all remember, but as the kids got back to school, this was a whole different world. Uh, where they all would wear masks, no one would properly see them. A lot of structures that was created before was just gone. In terms of uh, if a child goes just wild, 
there were structures created. Uh, you know, it would be someone in this class, then it goes to the teacher, then it goes to the principal. There were structures created in handling these things. All of this was just gone. They were just trying to figure out how to keep kids safe. And at one point, I don't know if you remember, there was this TikTok challenges that uh, kids would go super rowdy. And th I'm not talking this in like bad neighborhoods. I'm talking about like really good neighborhoods in Santa Clara County where students would go into their bathrooms and places and you know break the mirrors. And it was not just, oh, a couple of kids are just being naughty. This was, we're talking about hundreds of children um, going and not being able to follow um, you know, what the teachers are telling and, and being violent. And it got to a point where one of the TikTok challenge was to slap a teacher. And, and this was not funny anymore. This was scary, right? To the point that um, uh, the principal and uh, the school district superintendent reached out to us, uh, called me as a pastor, a regular pastor in the community, and said, what the church can do and I still remember very clearly that question, what the church can do. And we are a church, and if you know anything about uh, public schools and church, you know, the church is not really welcome to any of these places for obvious reasons. But this was a time when the teacher was, was, was really anxious, and uh, in many ways anxious for their own lives, and talked to me for about an hour Usually they would give me 10 minutes or 15 minutes once a year. And they're telling me that how this is a value issue and an issue of the heart and not more loss can fix this, what the church can do. And it really spoke into my heart that what people out there are asking for is how can we embody what the gospel is being told for the last 2,000 years in our communities for a change. You know, in many ways, the present culture is not asking if Christianity is true. They're asking if Christianity is good. If it is good for the community, is it good for people around us? Are people being able to sacrificially live the way the gospel is asking us to live. It's a moral question. In other words, it's a question asking, I feel, asking to followers of Christ, are you able to live out what the scripture is asking you in a community that is polarized and divided in all kinds of ways? And I do believe this is our moment and this is our best apologetic to show who Christ is and to show who God is and to show what we believe just by living it out in our communities. It's a major opportunity. Mahatma Gandhi is you know, well-known name that many people know about nonviolence and stuff, father of the nation of India. Famously once he said, uh, his favorite sermon uh, is the Sermon on the Mount, but he said, the problem I have is that I do not know anybody who at least attempts to live by the standards of Sermon on the Mount. That is the witness we, I'm from India, has in that country, is to just live it out. And this is not a new concept. It is in the scripture, in the Bible, all over that we see on how 
we are called to live out this value. When you look into the Scripture, especially uh, what Jesus teaches in John chapter 17, uh, you see this was Jesus' desire and prayer for us, for you and for me in 2022, individually, you and me. Jesus prayed for us 2,000 years ago before he would go to the cross. And it's this high priestly prayer that we read in John chapter 17. And I want to read for you verse 20 to 23, which is a prayer for you and I that Jesus made. And in that prayer, you see that this is Jesus' heart. It says, my prayer is not for them alone. That means his disciples alone. I pray also for those who will, be, who will believe in me through their message. That is you and I right now. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them to the, uh, them the glory that you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you send me and you have loved them, even as you have loved me. This was Jesus' desire and prayer. His desire was to see followers of Christ united so that the world will know who Christ is. Followers of Christ to be united. Now that is the key word. United around what? United for what? Usually when I read this passage, I always thought that it is to be united uh, on a vision, it is to be united in, in, in what probably our pastors are telling, it is to be probably united in the doctrine. What is he asking us to be united in? In later scriptures, uh, one of the main passages that Paul would explain what this unity would look like is in Philippians chapter 2, the passage that we just read today morning. And in this passage, uh, in the first four verses, uh, there are at least four times where he would use the word united, right? Uh, therefore, in, in chapter 2, yeah, in, in this verses, it says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, verse 2, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, one in spirit and one in mind. Paul here is calling the Philippians to be united under one thing, and that is to have the same mindset like Jesus. That is the thing that is going to show the world that Jesus is the Son of God. He's asking you and I to be united by having the mindset of Jesus. And I'll explain to you what does that mean? What does it mean to have a mind like Jesus? It is important to understand here that this unity that he's talking about is not just merely a unity among y'all in the church. It's not just unity among other churches. It's not just unity among all other evangelical churches, right? It is calling to be united, have the same mindset like Jesus. My challenge for us today is this. Can we pray and ask God that, God, can you give us a heart to be united to have the same mind like Jesus. We may be different in so many other things. And 
most of it could be okay. One of the things that I'm starting to learn is it's okay to be having different opinions on certain things. It is okay. But to be united at the core of it is to have the mind like Jesus. And what does it mean to have the mind like Jesus? It explains in verse 6 through 8. Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used in his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. That's, that's what it means to have a mind like Jesus. Jesus' mindset was that of serving the other even at the cost of his own self. That was the mindset of Jesus. And while he was God, he did not use that to his own advantage. He gave that so that he could die for you and I, cared for the other. That is the mindset of Jesus. The mindset of Jesus is that of caring for the other. We see this value at the core of everything the scripture has to speak and teach us. To bear the burden of the other. To forgive the other. To love the other. Following Jesus is learning to embody the value of otherness in your life. That is the mindset of Jesus. To think and value and respect and care for others in your life. You know, at a time when our culture is so divided, I believe this kind of lifestyle is what is going to be countercultural in this, in this community and help people know who Jesus is and help people know that the gospel is good, that Jesus is good and he is good for everybody in our community. The unity that Paul is talk, calling for here is the unity in caring the other even at great cost to one's own self. My question today is to ask each one of us, including myself, who is the other in your community? Who is the other in your sphere of life? Who is the other in your family? You know, sometimes when we think about the other, we think that, oh, it is just people who are just uh, need help who are all the way there. No. Uh, there could be people who are ignored and lonely and anxious right in your own house, in your community, in your workplace. Can you pray today and ask to the Holy Spirit, God, who is the other that you are putting a burden in my heart? Because you serving the other, you serving them is the way that you will let uh, uh, a very confused community and a world know who Jesus is. Would you take that opportunity to ask that question, who is the other in your life? Because your presence in their life is what is going to bring Jesus to this world, to this community, to these places. Um, last year, when the Afghan uh, crisis happened uh, in Afghanistan where, you know, uh, the U.S. military left, um, because of our involvement in the county, 
um, I got a call from one of our county supervisors about the influx of Afghan refugees that is going to come here in the Bay Area because there's a lot of Afghan community here in Fremont. Uh, the number at that time they were looking at was close to uh, seven to 10,000 people. Um, and uh, one of our county supervisors reached out, who was a Jewish person actually, um, reached out to me and said, um, what can the church do? The same question. Is there any way the church can help? And I was filled with joy that uh, there was someone who would ask uh, what the church can do. And I said, in whatever way we can help, please let us know if there is a strategy, if there is something you guys are planning on that we could jump in to help. And it was interesting to me that she told me that the state and the county has millions of dollars to help them, millions of dollars that is strategically made uh, to support refugees in this community who are coming here. It's a, it's a very proper way of bringing refugees here. It's not just someone who's just, just coming to the community. And so um, what she told me was money and other resources can only help so much. When people are coming from traumatized places, what they need is the presence of a stable family and a stable person. And for her, it was the church that would give that. It really made me think. And many of the things that I think uh, that God put into my heart, unfortunately, it doesn't come from Christians. It actually comes from non-Christians. It, it, it made me think the role that you and I have to play in this community. That there are hurting people out there who, who do not serve the same God we serve. Who probably would persecute us if we go there. Who may be enemies in many ways. But they've come to a foreign land. And even non-Christians believe that what can change their traumatized hearts is the presence of a Christian person. That could change. That could bring their peace and help them to move forward. It is the willingness to care and love these individuals brings the gospel to fruition in this community. And I know that as Hayward, and you guys are very close to Fremont, uh, that, uh, that, that that is something that you probably would all, all already be connected to and, and involved in. But it is a great opportunity to help people to see uh, the power of, of Jesus in their lives. And what happened was, you know, our church got involved. Um, you know, we were serving close to 80 different families um, from the Afghan community. And um, recently, I talked to one of, uh, one of the guys that we were serving. His name is Muhammad. And his wife is, is one of the most conservative-looking uh, uh, people that I met. We, we didn't talk anything about religion. But she, she, I could only see her eyes and, and her entire body was covered. And she was six months pregnant. There was no one to take her to the hospital. And uh, I would take her to hospital uh, just for her checkups. And this man one day came and talked to me and said, um, Finney, when, when God would give me opportunities to have a normal life, I want to serve other people the way you guys are doing it. I don't know why you would do this. And I think so that's the beginning of 
gospel being fruitful in the community. That, that for us to just simply live out with no strings attached, and we have the opportunity to do that. When the world is, 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 is confused with its rhetoric, uh, when there are people walking into our communities that we could never go to, we have an opportunity. And I pray uh, that, uh, that as you listen to uh, the sermon, that you would ask who is that other in your community, in your life, uh, that you could pour into in a way that could bring life gospel into their lives. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, as, as Paul writes here, uh, you see uh, unity in serving the other is the kind of stuff that can change things from darkness to light. Um, in verses 15, it says uh, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine light in the world. Paul here urges the Philippian church to live out the grace that God has given. And the Philippian church is in the midst of persecution. The other that they're serving are hurting them, are actually taking their lives. And Paul is telling, the way you would shine as light among them is to be countercultural. That's not what they're expecting. But when you're able to be countercultural and love and serve the other the way Jesus did, have the mindset of Jesus that you would change, you would bring light in the midst of darkness. I was really amazed at uh, uh, one of my neighbors, who's a Christian guy. <clears throat> um, he, um, you know, he was, he was in his tech job and he decided to uh, do ministry and he was working in a Christian school and now in a church. Um, and one of the things in our neighborhood that we all know and we have seen is, is the busyness of Bay Area. All of us are super busy. Uh, and we are the pace, fast pace of life. Um, uh, that includes people in ministry. Uh, trust me. I mean, there is there is no time for for anything. And you know, if you look at my calendar, sometimes I get I myself get kind of scared. This is this is kind of intense. There's a lot of meetings, and um, and it 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 just permeates through all kinds of things that we do here in the Bay Area. It's a fast paced life, and we see that in each of our neighbors husband and wife working towards this goal and kids and nannies and all of that. And he decided to do something different. Uh, three years ago, he decided to take uh, three days where he would sit in his front yard and just with his family, his three kids and his wife, and just sit there and hang out with his wife. Nothing else. Just hang out with his family right in the front. And because he did that, you know, our neighbors started showing up. They, you know, I, I went, then other people came, and, you know, it started getting into this neighborhood stuff because this guy would do this once, uh, three days at uh, a time. And um, one of our new neighbors who just came in, both of them work in Apple, um, this, uh, this husband came and asked him one day, what is that in your family that you guys have, A, have this much of time, and B, that, that there's something in you that, that there's, there's, there's joy and peace that, that you don't even have to tell, but I, I feel it, that there's a sense of calmness here. What is it? 
And he was able to share his faith. That, you know, I just, it's priority. Uh, I may not be able to renovate my house and stuff just like you all, but I've just prioritized my children because that's what I think my faith asked me to do. That impacted this family so much that they visited them online first and then they visited their church. And it impacted him so much. There's nothing, uh, you know, I'm all for Apple and all of that, but impacted this man so much that he decided to retire, you know, not retire, just resign from his work and find another job that would give him a sense where he can invest in his family. Folks, the best apologetic that we have in this community is to learn how to slow down and rest and show who Jesus is. Everyone is going so fast. Everyone is going so fast. And the way we could live that out in our own neighborhood is a very powerful thing. God is using that. And we have an opportunity to do that. Could be our neighbors. It could be people that we know in our workplace, in school, in our communities, whoever it may be. Here is an opportunity that we have if we choose to live out what we see in the scripture. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to be sacrificial. That is what Jesus did. His death on the cross was not easy. It was sacrificial. If we do care for the other, it will demand something from us. But eventually, what it would do is to help people see the truth of the gospel. How can we do this? Very quickly, three points. Embrace humility. In verse 3 and verse 8 especially, uh, it says, um, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself, Jesus, humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, death on a cross. The bridge to care for the other and to love the other is through humility. The question then here is, what is humility? True humility cares for the other, loves the other, not because of who, you know, who they are or what their status is, but because each one of us are created in the image of God. Each one of us, regardless of who you are, is created in the image of God and carries value and worth. And hence, we can show humility. If you respect the humanity that God has given to each one of us, that we will learn how to be humble to one another. That is the key towards serving one another. C.S. Lewis is helpful here. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking yourself less. Anything about C.S. Lewis, I need to read three times to understand. So let me just read one more time. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking yourself less. In order to be humble and consider the other more significant than yourself, you need to know who you are. Who you stand before a holy God is a sinful person standing because of the grace that God has given you. And if that is you, you can show the same humility to one another. May not be perfect, may not be what you want to be, but they are created in God's image and they also have grace. And if that's the matter, 
we can show that true humility to one another. Number two, show up in person. You know this word in person is in our psyche now after this COVID? It's in the scripture. You know, in verse 7, this is what Jesus did. Incarnational. He did not stay as God there. Decided to come down. Be in person with us. There is something powerful about being really individually in the place that God has placed you. All this place is created by God and it's good. And when I was reflecting on this, I really thought about your pastor, um, Pastor Richard. As he was called to the city in Hayward, he decided to move in here to live in the city. Now, many people can look at the city and say whatever they want to, right? You know, there's too many people, there's traffic, it's costly, it's all kinds of stuff. But this is how God looks at the city. God looks at us as his image, God's image scattered around this place. And he sees it good. And he calls you to be part of this city, Hayward, this place. And it could have all kinds of issues, but you being here is a light. You serving the city is the grace of the city. And if that's the matter, would you pray deeply that God, would you give a heart for Hayward? Because that's what is going to change things. And I believe that's the calling of a church is to be called to the place. Usually churches care about causes. You know, let's go do some homeless stuff and, uh, you know, uh, other causes. But God has called you to this place. And this place has all kinds of issues that you're called to respond to. Show up in person because that's what Jesus did coming to your life, to our life. And finally, let's do this together. There is something very powerful about God's people doing things together. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 14, it says, If my people who are called by my name, it's you and I, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. If you and I, God's people, <clears throat> if you would humble yourselves and if you would pray, God would heal the city. And I believe that is why God has called this church to be in this place. God has called you and I to be here. Because God loves the people here in Hayward. God loves the people who are suffering here. God loves the poor here. God loves the ones who are homeless here. God want, loves the one who are being abused in this place, in, in, in the city. And God has called you to be the light. By you serving them, you are showing and living the gospel in this community. Would you pray today and ask God, Give me a heart for the other in Hayward. Give, show me who's the other 
that I need to love. That's what Jesus did for you and I. And that's what we are called to do for this community. I'm confident that if you model Jesus and unite in serving the other, we will be able to show a skeptical world that Jesus is good, His plans are good for all, and that submitting to His authority is the only way we would see transformation in this place. Would you close your eyes as we pray and commit ourselves once again to this message. Heavenly Father, God, we are just thankful for your amazing work that you would call broken, fallen people like me and everyone who's here Pastor Richard and Pastor Harry their families the leadership here to love the city here in Hayward that you would see us good enough worthy to do your work in this community and God I just thank you for your faithfulness to this church over the last few years for helping them to be together and united in this vision to serve the city. And God, I pray that you would give each one of them who are sitting here today a vision about who the other is. A heart that would model your heart, that would care for the other even at the cost of their own self. Because that is the only way the gospel would root, be rooted here in Hayward. God, we pray that your will be done in this place as it is in heaven. And we submit, I submit, each one of us who are submitting to your authority and to your word today. Speak to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.